You're listening to The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, Sideshow's very own comic book podcast. Join us as we celebrate New Comic Book Day every week and discuss the latest releases, the biggest announcements, and more from your favorite publishers. What's in your comics hall? Hey, everybody. I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And welcome to The Comics Hall. Today, we've got a fantastic show for you, covering all of the book releases from Wednesday, June 2nd. We're back at the top of the month. We've got a lot of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. We've got the Hellfire Gala going on. Hope you're all in your Krakoa and finest. We're all representing different aspects of Krakoa. I am. Uh, I kind of took some inspiration from Rachel Summers and also because I had red makeup on hand. Paul, who are you wearing today? Um, well, I've got my clothes. I'm, I'm from the uh, H&M division. <laughs> and also... I've got my girlfriend's hat, and just in case they don't let me in. And I got my tickets to the Hellfire Gala on Groupon. <laughs> Congratulations. And we've got our fantastic moderator joining us this week. You want to say hello to everybody? Hi, everyone. I'm Jazz. Welcome to the Comics Hall. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, in the Let Your Geek Sideshow Facebook group, on Twitter slash Periscope, and on Twitch. So join us anywhere, and I'll interact with you in the chats. Excellent. You can pass all of your questions, comments, concerns, compliments. I thought nice. you were going to fill in, Paul. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, to Jasmine, she will be interacting with us through the show, reading out some of your questions on air if you guys have them. So feel free uh, to just hit her up with those all throughout the show. Now, we do have a lot of stuff to cover for you. Of course, we've got the Hellfire Gala to talk about a little bit. We've got a great pick of the week that's going to knock your socks off. But first, we do have some comic book news. We sure do. And as Amy just mentioned, there the Hellfire Gala is in full swing. Tickets are sold out on Groupon, but you still can't get in telepathically. So Marvel's Hellfire Gala event across 12 X-Men titles. I'm glad they, they reined it in a bit from the, what is it, 21? The 21 that, of Ten of Swords. Ten of Swords was. Um, <laughs> this week, we've got Marauders number 21, uh, Hellions number 12, X-Force number 20. Uh, and then next week, the event continues with Excalibur number 21 and X-Men number 21. The event continues all throughout the month of June with varying covers, planet-sized X-Men, online activities, and more. Marvel has also released faux invitations revealing the event takes place on the summer solstice and the event includes a telepathic concert a cocktail hour and of course the reveal of the newest x-men team also telepathic concerts i'm all in that's that. like uh that's like the silent discos but even mm -hmm. better but um, even better because i can just be home for that yeah serious i it's it's a lot of fun i have already of course grabbed my three uh dotterman mm -hmm. variants this week it was uh I want to say it was Kitty Pride, it was Rogue, and it was Emma, Emma Frost. Frost yeah. But they none of these ones connect to one another. They're all gonna connect with different weeks issues. So I couldn't That's make awesome. any couldn't make any pictures today. But I'm very excited. And those are open order. So if your mm -hmm. store uh, is has ordered them, they are not incentive variants. You should be able to obtain them. Hopefully you ordered ahead. I know my store my store just puts me down for everything. Russell Dodderman. <laughs> any, anything Dodderman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we've got that to look forward to. Up next. Yes. We've got a really cool anthology. You may have heard of the original release, but uh, a, the publisher, A Wave Blue World, has announced a sequel to their previous Tales from the Crypt-style anthology called Deadbeats. This is Volume 2, London Calling. Themed around horror and music, the book follows the enigmatic shopkeeper as her record store, Deadbeats, pops up in London, dealing with haunted artifacts. The anthology by editors-slash-creators Joe Carallo and Eric Palicki will feature 21 different comic stories woven together with a frame narrative so that is the 
that is the kind of story of the shopkeeper that keeps all of these little different uh, stories together. The frame narrative will be drawn by Val Halverson of Finger Guns from Vault Comics, a fantastic artist, really great horror artist as well. Um, He didn't get to flex that as much in Finger Guns, but this will be really cool. Mm -hmm. Other creators involved with the book include Rio Burton, Ronnie Garcia, Liana Kangas, uh, or Kangas, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that, I apologize, uh, Jamal Eigel, Jody Hauser, Shay Grayson, Jeremy Lambert, Jared Lujan, uh, David Stoll, Lila Sturges, and more. There's going to be a ton of uh, talent packed into this book. I'm very excited about that, and I believe pre-orders are coming up soon, or it will be a Kickstarter uh, project, but oh, nice. a Wave Blue World. They, they've done a few anthology releases. Um, they did a really kind of inspirational stories one uh, back in, uh, I think, in the fall, uh, mm. kind of a smaller publisher, but I'm looking forward to their second Deadbeats release. Mm-hmm. That's such a great pun. That is, and it's so. in a random synchronicity. Che Grayson is doing a backup story for issue two of the Conjuring story, which we're, I'm going to be covering. Oh, a very later. cool! So getting all of the uh, the horror anthology out of their system. <laughs> all right. All right. So moving on um, to. Some real indie characters, of course. Um, We're talking Marvel, Venom and Hulk. Marvel has announced that two major creators are swapping characters following the conclusions of their current runs. So, Donny Cates will be tackling the Hulk's uncontrollable rage in a new ongoing series with uh, artist Ryan Otley uh, of Invincible fame. On the flip side of that, writers Al Ewing of Immortal Hulk and Rom V, who has done a billion and one things but currently is writing Swamp Thing over at DC uh, will take on a new era of Venom with artist Brian Hitch who again I know from a really great definitive run on Justice League he's done all kinds of things he's done some Green Lantern work so um, Brian Hitch is a pretty recognizable artist Uh, a preview of their new series will be featured in the free comic book day Spider-Man Venom number one issue releasing August 14th and fans can look forward to the uh, these new ongoing books in November Um, that was pretty huge news I think it had sort of broke a couple of days ago. I think maybe like Thursday that like Marvel had some really big news coming out next week. And I guess this is what uh, what had come out. I don't know if you saw Amy, but they were doing it across Twitter like, a, hey, C.V. Savolsky, can we announce our book? And he's like, no, guys, please don't do that. But yeah. we got so that was our first hint at who was involved with the book. At right. least I remember seeing Donny Cates and Ryan Otley kind of in the exchange. But mm-hmm. that was so, and then I, that was I think literally. I don't know if it was earlier today or like just moments ago, but Donny Cates is like, hey, I'm on vacation um, and Marvel is supposed to announce a thing I'm doing. Can you guys let me know? Thanks. (laughs) Very Donny Cates. Solid, solid marketing plan. (laughs) Finally, our last piece of news this week. It's a small one, but just a reminder, all eight Mm -hmm. episodes of Sweet Tooth premiere on Netflix this Friday, June 4th. Of course, this series is based on the acclaimed Vertigo comic book by Jeff Lemire. A compendium of all 40 issues of Sweet Tooth, which has been billed as Bambi meets Cormac McCarthy's The Road. You know, just the two very gentle, sweet things that should never go together uh we'll hit comic stores on june 9th so next week if you are looking to um maybe you watch the series this weekend and you're looking to dive into the comics or you want to wait for the comics before you go into the show Mm -hmm. you can get a compendium of all 40 issues and that will be i believe 59.99 uh retail price so that'll be coming out next week from uh, dc comics very very excited and i think that'll do it for all our news now the reason everyone that we're moving on because our pick of the week, which is our next segment, 
is a book that me and Amy are so excited about, and we both absolutely loved. Uh, surprise, surprise, it's right behind me. It's The Nice House on the Lake, number one. We have been so excited about this since they teased it. I mean, I know we featured it in a previous news segment. Um, I just want to preface this this pick of the week by saying no amount of reading the solicitations or any kind of general hype before uh, this release. And technically, it came out yesterday, so mm -hmm. we might be playing a little bit of catch up. But no amount of prepping yourself could prepare you for what this book has in store. Yeah. and It was amazing. It was so wonderful. So let's get to the uh, logistics here of the book first before we get into what me and Amy thought about it, of course. Um, sorry, my, I, I, didn't, I forgot to move my notes like right under my camera. <laughs> so I'm looking off here at the You're nice house on the secrets, lake. giving away all your trade secrets, Paul. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the team, uh, we've got James Heinen, the fourth JT4, of course, is, uh, is writing it. We've got Alvaro uh, Martinez Bueno doing the art and the incredible... Jordi Belair doing colors. I believe an and world design doing yes. the letters. Yes. Um, we are absolutely like so stoked about this book. And this was a book that I knew when it came out, like how wonderful it was going to be just by the creative team alone. Cause they're, I feel like they're all pretty different. Um, yeah. Jordi Belair does a lot of work for, you know, across very, I believe Marvel DC, bunch of indie titles but alvaro martinez bueno does like you know some pretty like he does more like superhero stuff so i was really excited to see what um he was going to be doing with um james tynan because uh tynan's been killing it with the horror stuff yeah and i mean jordi belair revisiting horror since uh the the oh my goodness oh my goodness what was the book called it was red something ah i it literally left my brain. But Jordi Belair has done uh, uh, horror coloring as well. I'm Red gonna Lens. look at it. Redlands, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> Thank you. That was gonna kill me. Oh, and Tom King. Oh, yeah, it was the, with Tom King. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, this was such an incredible book, and we we don't do it normally. But what we like to do is sort of very loosely and lightly aim our um, our pick of the week. Uh, of course, the A standing for accessibility, the I for interest, and the M for the monetary investment. Um, now, Amy, do you want to touch on a little bit about like the uh, the A here for this yeah. book? Yeah. So in terms of A, we like to cover the accessibility. First of all, one of the things to know about going into this, this is a DC Black Label title. Black Label is DC's more mm -hmm. mature line of publishing. However, um, this is not a DC Comics book as you would regularly know it. Yeah. I mean, somebody could come out fourth act and, and like Batman was behind it all along, but this is actually a <laughs> creator-owned title despite going through uh, the DC label, and it is billed as a season. There will be 12 issues. It is a maxi series, mm -hmm. and um, and there is potential for future seasons. They're they're kind of using mm -hmm. that language, um, almost like streaming services. And this does have a very um, turning tuning into Netflix to watch Black Mirror kind of yes. vibe to it. 
Um, but in terms of accessibility, this is absolutely one of the biggest releases of the week, um, especially as a mm -hmm. new number one, it would even probably outstrip some of the Hellfire Gala stuff. Uh, yeah. So it's very, very likely your store has it. However, word of mouth is going fast on how good this, th this thing is. And mm -hmm. because it was a DC release, it was released on Tuesday. So you're going to want to call ahead and make sure that your store still has a copy. I believe there were a couple of covers. Um, but uh, worst case I mean, scenario, yeah. it should be available on Comixology for you to find. Yeah, 100% available on Comixology. There are, I think, like four like readily available that all shops could have gotten. Of course, we've got the, um, the cover A uh, that you're seeing right here. And this is by uh, Bueno. And then you've got cover B, which is actually by Martin Simmons, who is doing Ooh. Department of Truth with uh, James Tynan. And then you've got, like, uh, I don't remember who three and four are. I but think um, Werther Deladera, who is the oh, collaborator right. for uh, um, Something is Killing the Children. Right. is Has the one in 25 stock card variant. Yes. And then so there's, like, a one in 10. It's the it's the uh, murderer's row of James Tynan, James Tynan collaborators. Yeah. It's just all, you know, him and his friends. And it's uh, seriously, some of these covers are wonderful. Um, now, you know, you'll get into it when all, all I'm saying, again, I, we are a spoiler free show and podcast. And thank you for everyone <laughs> who listens on the podcast. But we're going to try my best to tone down the uh, how many how bad I want to talk about spoilers. However, we can talk spoilers maybe early tomorrow or in, in the um, local comics local comics society, our official Facebook group site show forward slash your LCS. See that I was. Professional. Nice. I kept wait it together. To, wait it all. Roll it all in together. Kept it together for two whole minutes. <laughs> um, so, pay attention to some of the symbols on the cover. Is all I'm saying. Uh, they will play in, and I'm. I've like been working my conspiracy theory brain as to like why these particular symbols were given to particular people. Now, um, so moving on from that, the uh, the interest as to so, you know who would like this book, what's been the buzz about this book. Uh, so starting with the latter, um, this book is being really well received right now. Um, everything that James Tynan is touching right now is sort of turning to gold. Um, I feel like we've been saying that for every single book that's ever we've ever talked about on this show by James Tynan. Hey, well, when they stop being good, we'll stop saying it. <laughs> so it's that's um, on him, really. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 on you, dude. Uh, officially, he won best writer in our comics hall poll for a reason. Mm -hmm. You know, he's up in the Raptors, and um, so as far as the interest in this book, like it, it J, uh, I'm just calling JT four because that's why he's in all my notes. Uh, he is from the town um, that this takes place in. Um, and a lot of this takes place really around his life. And so I always appreciate and love when artists are, you know, incredibly honest in their writing. And, you know, I, again, I, you know, Amy can maybe speak to it a little bit more as, as having written comics, but like having the, you know, the platform from DC and, you know, at DC Black Label specifically to be able to write that honest and write this story, uh, it really, it really comes through, I feel, in this story. Like you can tell it's very personal to him. Yeah. And there's, there's, I mean, there's even some great elements of mm -hmm. um, utilizing the current mindset. I mean, um, as you can tell, and, and as we've kind of expressed before, the comics creation pipeline is a, 
is a really long time. I mean, you are seeing um, solicitations three months in advance. Uh, you do have at least a cover and the loose plot, but by mm -hmm. that point, the script isn't finished likely. The pages are certainly not done um, unless some, some books go in with uh, multiple um, issues finished ahead of time so they can release them. Yeah. But uh, this this very much has elements of the fear and the reaction to the last year that everybody has been experiencing mm -hmm. and the being locked inside of a house uh, idea, even though with a nice house on the lake, it's a it's a beautiful place to be locked in. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, I, it, I, it does have even a contemporary reference to February. I think February 2021 is where some of it is set. I think there was an email in mm -hmm. the in the the book that shows it's 2021 in the story yeah and there's some really fun information docs in here as well i like in some of the there's some emails between some characters to other characters um that you get to read very as we mean you're saying very like hickman-esque you know emails mm -hmm. between other x-men um and i do like how uh our main character uh was asked by a Google review bot to review Tiny Onion Studios, which is James Tynan's actual like production studio. So it's just like little stuff like that. Um, I think it, it's it's just I think he's fully immersing himself in this world. And again, we haven't really talked about what even this story is. Like, who <laughs> would like this story? But um, for lack of a better word, I mean, I'll I mean, I mean, maybe I should let you try to summarize like what this is about out on paper oh my goodness um on paper i'll do, i'll do my best i don't have mm -hmm. the actual solicitation text pulled up but going in this is what i understood about the story um 12 different people are invited to a nice house on a lake for a a weekend retreat uh, or a, not just a weekend kind of a a, a retreat a, yeah you know a, a retreat in a a lake area where mm -hmm. um it's really cut off, almost like one of those places where you go and you know you're not going to have cell reception. So you text right. everybody like, hey, don't if, I don't if you don't hear from me in a week, don't worry. Um, but it, it's 12 <laughs> different people in this elaborate, really nice house. And they all know their host in varying capacities, but nobody really knows who he mm -hmm. is. To some, he's a friend. To some, he's a coworker. To some, he's almost just a stranger. Um, but yeah. he has invited them and gotten them into this situation. And from there... It's the horrors of being trapped in a house with people while the world is happening outside around you. And yep. as I, I referenced to the fact that it is kind of contemporary, the world outside is very scary. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, Tynan really just takes it in a direction that you're not expecting. And I don't and yeah, we don't want to uh, say anything. But as Paul mentioned um, just before we, we began, he was telling me. He was he was surprised that the book tips its hand so fast. I mean, it is a yeah. maxi series. You'd think it it might wait, but this book wants you to. Uh, it, it pulls the rug out from you very quickly. Yes, in a horrifying fashion. Yeah, and and it's really great. It, it's a very particular type of horror that I think speaks to the success of of Tynan, um, in that it is horror that takes its time. And it sort of plays on things that are very real around you in your home right now. And that's the idea of, like, being locked in your own place. With your a friends, Furby. With a Furby. <laughs> with friends. Um, you know, everyone has that one friend that you're like, oh, yeah, I know that person, you know, in passing. And, like, I would be invited to their shindig. Yeah, you know, and you're like, he's a cool guy. No, yeah, I don't know him that well, but, yeah, he's cool. 
it's like every time you see this person, you get along, but you're like, I'm not going to, you know, be a best, uh, best man, or I'm not going to be a groomsman in their wedding or something. Um, like we all have that person. And this sort of plays on the idea of like, how well do you know that person? And like, you know, how well do your friends know that person that they're introducing you to? And it's do terrifying. You, do you weekend retreat at a lake house? Know them well enough. <laughs> yeah. Cause I can say like, you know, pre-pandemic, I've definitely gone to functions like this with people that I'm like, oh, I know, you know, I have a fr the friend that I met them through is also there. But we're like, how well do you know this person? It's like, oh, I, you know, it wasn't James Tynan, I'll tell you that. This And this story reads to me as if the Black Mirror creators got their hands on Agatha Christie's and then there were none. Um, I thought you were going to go with Clue. <laughs> uh, you know, I was going to say Clue. I was going to say Clue, but I almost thought I was like, this is, that that's way too silly. Like, I don't want anyone to get, it's like Clue, if Clue was was a horror film. Was uh, like written by the people Which it might Black be, Mirror. depending on your perspective. I mean, <laughs> yeah, all these true. people in a house. Um, yes, it reads like Clue. It reads a little bit like Agatha Christie's and then there were none. But but the horror dial is mm -hmm. is turned all the way up. Make no mistake about that. I mean, those, those stories are a little uh, campier and more fun, but this yeah. is horrific and i loved it, it I, without yeah. spoiling too much it is just so fun and and the i think one thing we didn't touch on either is that while these people may know each other in passing as well from being in the social circle they all have an alias that mm -hmm. kind of separates them and distances them from other people you might yeah. not know them but they're but the host purposely keeps the guest list a secret as well um, well to what I, end oh i can't i can't say that exact point because it'll spoil some stuff but all these people have an alias. It's like the consultant, the writer. And I love that idea because we all use that in our day-to-day -day life when, you, when you've got your best friend and they're like, oh, yeah, I was getting drinks with uh, Roger. And you're just like, oh. Like, which one's Roger? Oh, he's oh, the, the baseball player. Oh, the baseball like player. That. Got it. <laughs> like, and then you build these preconceived notions about that person going in by just that, you know, that word that you attach to them. And so it's like it's these things, again, this very simple and realistic style of horror that James Tynan plays in in all of his books, but specifically this one. I feel like this has been a book that he's been writing for a while. I don't know if that's true or not, but um, there's also a lot of um, Alvaro uh, Martinez in here because he also helped co-create this story. So it's been fun to see, to guess, like where Tynan's, you know, brain ends and Bueno's brain begins. Um, so that's been fun. It, this also made me do something I ne I haven't done for comics in a while, and that's take, like, an obnoxious amount of notes. Like, I'm not kidding. Oh, you can't see it. But there's a lot of notes there. I promise. Conspiracy theory brain in full effect. You should you should post that up in the uh, in the local comic society. I will, but there it. are spoilers on there. So I'll, I, will, uh, I will wait. I will give everyone until Friday night, and then I will post it. So you've got till Friday night to, to do that. Also, to run to... out and get this book. I mean, if, 100%. If, if you do nothing else, if you listen to no other aims and reviews from this week, The Nice House on the Lake is the one to get. Yeah. Yeah, this will be one of his uh, one of his definitive books. I feel. Um, I mean, you know, we're being hopeful uh, in that because it's just when you write what you know. Hopefully, it comes out uh, golden, right? I assume. Something and, like that, and and even the things you know when you write what you know. Sometimes the things you know are the most horrifying. Yes, and that is reality. Reality is horrifying, and so <laughs> um, again, so that's the interest.
Um, now, the M, the monetary investment, it is, uh, for issue one, it's only $3.99. It is a standard 32 pages. And as Amy mentioned earlier, this is one of 12. So it's a maxi series. Now, this is um, what they're calling, this is book one in season one. So we can be led to believe that season two will also be 12 issues, but we don't know where that's going. We're just currently yeah. enjoying issue and one. And as I mentioned, there is no the season two is not confirmed, but it has the potential to spin off if the book does well enough, which I think the opening reception mm -hmm. has proved that there will probably be a season two if there's more to tell. I But I believe, as this is a maxi series, this story will be yes. completed, um, yeah. which is awesome. And so if you are jumping in, if you love that first issue, you know exactly how many books, how many months, and how many dollars you are signing yourself up for because mm -hmm. uh, these books rarely flux in price between issues so it looks like it's going to be a standard 399 throughout yep which is good because if you are unlike me that means you can budget each week instead of just <laughs> going and picking up variants and other various things that you were like yeah i probably don't need this but i'll definitely read it and that is our pick of the week well, i think right. we should i think we should put a pin in it because i i can tell that we're both so close to just I know, spoiling real close it. to spoiling it. Spoiling yeah. it. But if you want to hear the rest of our uh, discussion on this amazing pick of the week, again, we'll we'll do our best to get some stuff up in the local comic society. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe not so much Let Your Geek Side Show because that will quickly get lost in there, but local comic society is definitely the place to go. To. Yes. If you want to see Paul's conspiracy theories. <laughs> I'll, I'll post them. Um, they're ma it's mainly just like a lot of like the Charlie Day meme. <laughs> energy that's that's what i'm bringing to you on this wednesday the second um all right, all right so continuing on with our pick of the week we are going into our our true and tried aim system now and segment uh i think i'm up to bat first here yeah and we I don't am? really i mean we don't really need to recap the full aim we did yeah. just kind of give it to you guys in pick of the week but again that's accessibility interest and money our mm -hmm. uh signature system because we don't like numbers around here no, we do not. Stop trying to make me do math. All right. So uh, the, the very first book that I'm going to aim for you all is Out of Body, number one by Aftershock Comics, um, written by the incredible Peter Milligan and art by Inaka Miranda, and um, we've got colors by Eva Dela Cruz. And I always... And it's oh yeah, Sal Capriano is doing the letters for this book. Uh, now this the one that you guys are currently seeing. This is cover B. Um, uh, there are two covers out right now. I don't think that there was a ton of um, cover Bs when I went, unfortunately, because those are are the incentive variants. Meaning your store's got to order twenty five of the cover A's before it can get one of the cover Bs type of type of deal so getting into the aim the accessibility um of this book this is actually the only number one by aftershock comics this week so it was pushed pretty heavily you should be able to find it uh there was a ton of issue one cover a's when i went to my shop and i went at like one or two so hopefully it is still around um it should be pretty easy to find um if not call ahead but it is also um on comiXology if you read digitally or you just want to read the story um now this is a true number ones, meaning you can just pick this book up and read it and understand it. There's nothing at all that you need to know before getting into this book. There's actually some really fun, like, in-world back matter that, you know, you guys all know that me and Amy love. 
um, mm-hmm. sort of just really uh, enriches the entirety of the story. But uh, like it happens sometimes, I wish it was in front and not in the back of the story because <laughs> it would have really helped me understand some stuff. But it, you know, it did prompt me to go back and read it again. So I've actually read this one twice. Um, so out of body number one, uh, this is an interesting story. It's about uh, a guy named Dan Collins who wakes up and finds that he is technically in a coma and he's hearing things um, and he finds that there is someone uh, speaking to him. Now, um, there are so many threads in this particular story that I'm not going to really start pulling on all of them currently because you got to read the story to understand. But there is... uh, Dorian Gray makes an appearance in the story, so that's that's always fun. Anytime Dorian's around, I guess. Um, <laughs> so again, it is a weird occult detective thriller that is like life and death, and I, um, I I I actually really enjoyed this story. Like sometimes we, me and Amy, um, you know, we'll get some books and we're like, oh, this is a, a new number one. This will be fun, and. Nine times out of ten, we actually really end up enjoying the book, and this is one of those nine times out of ten, um, because this is a really, really fun book. Now, as far as the interest, the eye in the aim, uh, it I will say, the first three to four pages uh, start off kind of slow, because they bounce back between two vastly different times in this entire, uh, in I would say, in the realm of which this story plays very polar uh polar opposite times uh do like the first four pages start and then after that there's a lot of exposition but the exposition is so good because it's sort of being told from dan collins the main character's brain in this coma and how he understands everything another story about like how you never really know your friends um so <laughs> that's fun i'm gonna be fun this is uh, a, to hang out with a weird week for <laughs> yeah. comics and like trust no one and friends kind of vibes. <laughs> <laughs> um so no i had a really random you know like oh this is kind of what it's like it's like these other properties that aren't comics now just bear with me it is sort of part soul the pixar movie <laughs> and insidious the horror movie. Um, when you read the story, it will become apparent as to why I specifically chose those, but I promise it makes sense. Um, but, like, if you like, like, sort of the in-world structure of Soul and some of the lucid dreaming kind of weird, like, horror that takes place in Insidious, like, it sort of merges those two. Um, and it's it's really fun and really expertly done. I like any time that any writer takes a stab at sort of putting, like, a bureaucratic stand on, like, the afterlife. Like, that's always fun to me. Uh, very, like, you know, like Beetlejuice, like, or, like, <laughs> anything along those lines. Or uh, Heavy, which I was reading, like, the, you know, another Aftershock book. Oh, that's Valiant, I think. No, Vault. Um, That's no, Vault. Vault. It was Vault. Vault. I was getting there. <laughs> um, it, was, it was just really fun. Um, and personally, I I really, really suggest that you guys go and get this book. Um, again, because it is Aftershock, and again, don't know if I've mentioned this, but Aftershock comics, 99% of them will only be six issues. Uh, that's sort of their MO. So about, or almost all of them so far have saying, um, almost all of them, I'm sorry, have... Um, been at least six issues or maybe five issues uh but again not you know 
it's, it's never too bad. So again, like Amy was saying, you know the investment you're getting into, uh, which brings me to the M for this, the monetary investment. This particular book is uh, $4.99, as are all vol um, sorry, Aftershock books, 32 pages, and it should be six issues. It might be an ongoing, but I'm pretty sure it's only six issues. So that's Out of Body number one by... Uh, our good old friends over at Aftershock. Yeah, they've been they've been crushing it. So this is a good one. Go pick it up. All right. I've got on the flip side a new debut from Boom Studios. This is Basilisk number one, uh, written by Colin Bunn with art by Jonas Scharf, uh, colors by Alex Guimares, and letters by Ed Dukesher. Now, in terms of accessibility, um, also this is the this is the A cover, I believe, by uh, Scharf, and there is uh, several variants involving Christian Ward's artwork. Um, so you may see some of those. I got the Christian Ward um, lettered cover, but there is a uh, a cover without the trade dress. Um, nice. That's going for more money because that is one of the incentive variants for this launch. But you should have uh, plenty of chances to find this cover on uh, shelves. So it is a true number one, which, uh, as we've kind of explained here, we like to say is the you don't need to know any back material going into this because Boom Studios and Aftershock um, the name of the game with creator-owned titles is you don't necessarily have to have read anything else prior to this. Even the solicitation text, you could go in completely blind. Um, and as we saw also with Nice House on the Lake, there is a rare exception for uh, big two published titles. If it is a creator-owned book that doesn't have a uh, pre-written, unless it's a sequel. But that's we don't need to get into that. Um, I do want to note, though, this is very interesting, um, a lot of Boom Studios titles recently have had some great success. Obviously, Something is Killing the Children is kind of their number one uh, dominating title right now, but we've also had success with Mech Cadet U getting a Netflix adaptation. And a couple of other Boom launches have uh, seemed to go up in value because of their interest for other projects or their popularity. So there's a little bit of false scarcity with Basilisk number one. A lot of people are buying this issue in anticipation of it becoming something that could uh, but it's not really a, a high speculator thing right now. But I do want to just warn you, if your store didn't order enough, um, it hasn't sold out at the distributor level yet. But So you should hopefully find it. And this was Cullen Bunn's highest ordered launch book ever. Um, so the print run is, is plentiful. You should be able to find it. But if there's any false scarcity for some reason... Uh, don't don't freak out. It's also available on Comixology if you're if you're absolutely needing to read it as soon as possible. Um, other than that, the story is great and easy to read and get into. Um, Bun does a really great job with silent panels, which I think a lot of comics, when people see the silent panels, they go, "Oh, this is going to be a quick and easy read because there's not a lot of words." But the art. When there's a silent panel, it means that the art is doing all the talking for you. So there's a really great push and pull with that in this story. It's a very, very solid debut. It is a mini series. I believe it will be five issues long. So it's um, kind of that speed. Uh, in terms of interest, it is a supernatural sci-fi story with horror elements. I'd say almost more like dread, but there are some uh, disturbing visuals based on the characters and their powers. It is a uh, it is a book for fans of Philadelphia and Stillwater, as well as Harrow County or any of other uh, any of other col any of Cullen Bunn's other titles. Excuse me. Um, if you like his general sense of horror, you really can't go wrong with that. Um, and again, as I said, it's a solid release. It does move pretty quickly. There's a lot of action as well. There's a really nice kind of chunk of action that is really well done. Uh, 
but it feels a little bit thin in terms of the lore, and I will um, I will say it's not a bad thing. For a five-issue miniseries, they do really have to make sure that they measure out um, the content and, and make sure that you want to stay invested to find out the mystery um, of this of this book. I think it's a mysterious and engaging uh, title. And you don't you don't get a whole lot about the Chimera, which are the book's main antagonists. Um, it had a very, uh, a little bit of a die feel, but I know there's other stories where five people who seem to have been part of an experiment of some kind have just stumbled out into uh, a town in the Midwest and they've got strange powers. One of the characters says we were almost like newborns, and they end up cutting a swath of destruction through the United States, um, and they are our mysterious antagonists, and we follow one of the victims, whose name is, I believe, Reagan. Um, we have the two, two named characters in this, Reagan and Hannah, um, and, and somebody has walked away from the Chimera, that group of, of five, um, and so it is the story of kind of tracking down the others and the victim getting retribution, but we don't get a whole ton of that. Uh, in this issue. That's mostly from the solicitation text. I actually don't even think that the Chimera's name uh, or group name is mentioned in this story, but they are considered a hive mind of villains. Um, I think this is a really great uh, story. Again, I've, I've touched on Bun's kind of solid horror output, but uh, Jonas Scharf does a really great job. Um, there's a really cool way that the flashback sequence is rendered in a completely different visual style than mm. the main book but the the line work is so clean it's very detailed of kind of this um every town america um as our protagonist travels through in search of the chimera um and the colors are really nice kind of moody um there's a really evocative blue as the main uh chimera character that we see wears a um she wears a blindfold over her eyes not to shield herself from other things but to shield other people from her eyes and uh that is part of her powers um just really interesting and i and i want to make a weird comparison here i got a little bit of resident evil 7 and 8 vibes from this story if we're in the way of comparing uh media that is not comic books uh because it's a group of empowered individuals that may may or may not have had a, a hand in their own creation, but you get the sense that somebody else created the Chimera. Um, and oh. we have a victim who is very invested in tracking them down, and each of them has fantastic and terrifying abilities. Um, nice. So if you're, if you're into the more modern Resident Evil titles, I think that you'll get a little bit of that sense here. It's not, it's not quite full village, and it's not quite full biohazard, but um, I think there's a, a kind of a crossover there with the horror and dread um of the title but it is again more of a supernatural sci-fi than straight horror um ultimately this issue will leave you wanting a little bit more it does kind of tease out the mystery of who these characters are we don't even get all of their powers we don't get to see everything that the chimera are capable of um but there is a great cliffhanger and i think it, if you are sold on this first issue if you like the pacing of it, then you're going to enjoy. I mean, I can't, I haven't read the rest of the miniseries, but it's one of those things where I know the pacing of miniseries and I think this, this will play out very interestingly, but the first issue gives you just enough to keep you invested to go in for the rest of it. Now, in terms of M, this is $3.99. It's a kind of standard comic release. And because the first issue wasn't priced up, you can assume that all the issues will be $3.99. And it is a standard 32 pages, which is equates to more like 26 or 28 pages of actual story, plus 
uh, advertisements from Boom Studios about other related titles and other upcoming books that you can check out from them uh, and where you can pre-order Boom titles. So without saying too much else, because I don't want to spoil <laughs> things, that's all I've got for Basilisk nice. number one, but another solid debut this week for the horror stuff. I mean, we're, oh, yeah. we're a little more than halfway to Halloween and uh, mm -hmm. June is like, hey, hope you didn't forget about us. You'd, you'd think that we were in for some breezy summer titles, but... We're getting the creepy stuff out of hey, the way Hey, remember to be scared all the time. <laughs> Here we and go. don't trust your friends. <laughs> don't trust your friends. Nope. And speaking of not trusting your friends, the next book that... Oh, wait. You want, do we want to take questions first? Um, sure. Do we have a couple questions? Okay. Yeah. We, uh, we might have time for just the one. So, Jasmine, do you want to come on and, and ask us... Uh, yeah, let's go with JJ's question. Yeah. Hi. hi. Hello. <laughs> JJ Joe on Twitch. Hi, everybody. <laughs> JJ Joe on Twitch asks, do Paul and Amy look at all the new releases for the week and pick and choose, or do they actually read them all? Oh, um, well, JJ, great question, and hello. Uh, thank you, Jasmine. And um, so, no, we do not read every comic that comes out every week. Let's but, let's preface by saying that would be at least three or four hundred dollars a week, which yes. is money we do not have and time we do not have to actually read every single book. But these books are coming out of our pull lists, out of our mm -hmm. own interest. We do a lot of research on what's coming up each week, and sometimes we will pull a book that, like, let's say I I wasn't necessarily going to uh, read Basilisk, but because it, it wasn't already on my pull list, but I did check it out. Um, but everything else that I'm reviewing, everything else that I've got this week, I've, I've got 12 different titles, including the Hellfire Gala. Those are yeah. all genuinely from mm -hmm. my pull list. We are both avid readers and collectors. And so mm -hmm. while we regret that we can't read every single comic book published ever and bring every single review to you guys every single week, yep. uh, we try to we try to pick the biggest new releases because those are the most accessible for fans to get yes. into. Um, it's much easier than for me to say, I'm going to review Buffy number 26, which is a series that a lot of you are probably not already reading. And it's 26 issues in. And I don't have time to give and it's, you... It's not like Silver Coin or Haha, -ha, where you don't need to have read the other 25. Like, you need to be invested in the previous 25 of Buffy. Right. So mm. we're, we always try to bring you guys new releases, especially mm -hmm. from independent publishers that you may or may not have uh, had your fingers on the pulse of, as well as yeah. providing a resource for people who don't know where to start with comics, because it is very intimidating. And it's... It, yeah. I mean, we've been grandfathered in. I've been <laughs> reading since 2012. Um, yeah. I would love to w read every single book, but that would require a lot more time and money than I have. So we're, we're doing our best for you guys. Yeah, and honestly, like what this show is, is sort of the amalgamation of all of the things that me and Amy wish that our comic shops, we worked at you know, very different comic book shops whenever we worked at them, but maybe like we wish that they were at times like I wish that you know sometimes I could have had the time to explain to someone like no no don't listen to you know that internet place like it's not a two out of ten like do you like Green Arrow then read Green Arrow but this is what you would need to know before you read that story um, and we also again utilize previews so for instance like Nice House on the Lake I mean me and Amy follow a ton of different you know uh, individually and then as like a collective uh, follow a ton of different artists and people who like we always say one of the best ways to learn about books is to follow the creators who make these books um, so we knew pretty early on that JT4 um, you know, you know, that James Tynan the fourth was doing this book and we looked really <laughs> great and we wanted to do it. I mean, we probably talked about this book like a month and a half ago. 
Um, and so, like, this is what it is. And so we added it in our pool. Um, so we sometimes we get lucky and we know that, you know, when Nice House on the Lake is out, that's the book that we're going to talk about on the show. But other times, you know, it, it is it can be for lack of a better word, more of a struggle because, like, you know, sometimes in the middle of the month, everything's issue 12, 17, 11, and it's not as easy and accessible. So we use that as an opportunity to read books that we may not have read previously and mm-hmm. read a new number one by Aftershock or Or look Vault to trade paperback collections and let you guys know what if, if there are people who prefer the trade format because of mm-hmm. uh, finances or accessibility of the store itself. Yep. Um, and, and full disclosure, I have about 26 books on my poll currently, and I, I read about 26 books a month. Um, and again, we've only got a limited time slot here, but I'm glad that you are joining us and hopefully you're finding yep. some interest in the books that we are talking about. Cause I mean, we're, we're very excited about these things and it, it does come from a genuine place of, we would take our lunch breaks to go pick up our books. And they said, Hey, why don't we make a show out of this? So. Yep. Just, we're just doing our best. <laughs> we're good at, we're doing it anyways. Might as well turn the camera on. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah. We've never really shared that particular part of our process, but yeah, we, uh, sometimes we choose pretty far out, like with nice house on the lake. And sometimes it's like, oh man, this book got pushed back. So we're covering this next book instead, which actually is a perfect segue into the next book that I am covering. Cause it kind of happened like that. Unfortunately, um, it is the conjuring. Um, now this is, it's well, technically it's the conjuring the lover number one. Uh, now this is by DC comics, of course. Now this is not, you know, DC comics of normal continuity. And this is not DC comics, black label. This is their new sort of, I guess offshoot imprint, whatever you want to call it, called DC Horror. Now I believe that this is going to represent the books that sort of have ties to Warner Brothers' many horror films. Um, they have a, you know, they're they are riding that horror rocket ship because there is a ton of call and a ton of demand for horror right now. And technically, this is the first book in that small imprint. So I'm really excited to be reviewing it or, you know, aiming it and taking a look at it. So um, now this is by David L. Johnson McGoldrick, who is the writer. Now he is also the, he wrote the screenplay, I believe I checked before the show, on not only the first Conjuring, but the second Conjuring and the new Conjuring coming up, The uh, Devil Made Me Do It. So technically this and the four other issues will, oh, sorry, I didn't do it. Technically, uh, actually, this will tie in quite nicely as a sort of a preface before you get into the uh, the film, which, um, wow, if we were actually sponsored by them, I would know what the actual date of that film is, but I don't remember when that film comes out, So, but it does come out. So it's, it's The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. It's the next installment in their series, but um, The Conjuring is building like a really cool lore and a cool universe. Um, That'll be out this Friday. <laughs> That will be out this Friday. So right after Sweet Tooth, you can check that out. <laughs> yep. Make a day of it. This Friday being the fourth for everyone who is interested. Read this and then go into that. Um, it'll be very, very interesting. I'm curious because I, I, my girlfriend doesn't like horror, and so she won't watch it with me. But I'm curious when I do get to watch this like to see like how nicely it, it sort of uh, you know compares there. But this takes place – oh, I'm sorry. And we've got uh, Rex Ogle, the artist, and does an incredible job, and Mike Spicer – doing the colors and then there is also a a backstory sort of like a um um you know just like back pages that you would get in like the old uh in like older justice league stuff which would introduce you know justice league dark world actually they're doing that again now i believe um 
and those are called Tales from the Artifact Room. Now, these are different artists and writers taking one object that is not really at the forefront in the Conjuring or the Warren stories. Maybe you can look them all up because they all do exist. Um, and they sort of make a, you know, a small four to six page comic out of that one artifact. Um, and it, it was really great. And this one was actually, this week's was actually written by Scott Snyder and art by Dennis Cohen. So, um and also a huge, huge shout out to um, we don't who people we don't talk about enough, but the editor for this book specifically, um, uh, Katie Cooper. Now she done an incredible job with this because there are faux ads for this, like send in a dollar and you'll get these this decoder <laughs> ring. And she did an incredible job. Like I I literally laughed out loud a couple times with some of the notes. You know she's just like. Please don't sell your soul, because uh, all you'll get is this sent back. Don't send this into DC Comics. This is not real. I cannot stress enough. Do not send this into us. <laughs> and so there's like fun little tidbits that she included all over. It's really fun. That's fair though, because a couple of comic books have recently done the the fake advertising gimmick, especially um, notably Bitch Planet uh, from Image Comics and oh, yeah. Paper Girls. Um, and with Paper Girls, at the very least, you could physically send in. Uh, Bitch Planet did have a store, and I believe you could send in for the foam middle fingers. Um, but some of them oh, have cool. integrated the the send in uh, mm -hmm. mechanic. But please don't. Uh, put your soul in a self-addressed sealed envelope yeah. self-addressed stamped envelope i'm sorry don't uh, do that yes do they not. don't want it <laughs> no they don't um yeah so it's been great and kitty cooper did an incredible job like throughout the entire book of just having these like um it's it's almost you know it's like a comic relief throughout this book because it is it is horror like it's try it's it is true horror like you would be watching and it's it's this bit of comic relief um it's it's really fun so um uh, wanted to you know give her a bit of a shout out there so this takes this story uh it revolves around jessica who has just returned to her second semester of her freshman year of college you know the first semester didn't really go so well for her um so now she's coming back and she all her friends now they've all you know uh, they've all sort of moved on because she left for the summer and she's sort of feeling very isolated and alone after um you know after a pretty long and cold winter, you know, and she's also had to go home with her mom, who they have a pretty um, stressed relationship, I guess we can call it. So she's coming back into a place, being her freshman, being college, that she really didn't want to be in in the first place. So uh, there's a lot of tension before you even introduce the horror, the capital H horror elements of this show. I mean, of, I'm sorry, of this book. Um, now... Again, the getting into the aim, the accessibility. Uh, this is actually a true number one. Like you don't need to have ever watched a um, a Conjuring film. You don't need to have read anything else before this to enjoy it. You can jump right in and just read this. Um, and I do believe that the Conjuring film coming out on Friday, June fourth, um, is a um, is a prequel to all of some of the other films we've seen. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure it takes place before the other one. So technically, this is starting at the beginning here, uh, really, really at the beginning. So, and again, this should be pretty easily found at your local shop, um, as it's a pretty big release for DC, I would say, especially since it's being like a tie-in promo. Uh, now, the interest here, uh, I thought the core, the core story in and of itself—that's the story following Jessica and the, you know, the things that 
at at home that haunt her and the things at her freshman campus that are uh you know literally haunting her i thought he did a great job of balancing those things and sort of uh pulling back on you know some of the jump scares that parts of the conjuring have been known for but it's never really i felt been the best part of the conjuring it's sort of like the uh the great unsaid to me is always the better part of that so uh being that he was the you know did the screenplay for the films it felt very on brand for those films i really really enjoyed that um uh let's see we've got uh rex ogle who did the um the art did an incredible job of like this feels really creepy and again you know i we just mentioned him but he, it feels like a martin simmons like it that really kind of sketchy um art i mean it as in like the artistry of it's sketchy and it looks <laughs> know, seedy and sketchy, sketchy. Um, <laughs> that's all that's really great like it, it looks so good um and of course dennis cohen who does the latter half you know the, the little small insert story with scott snyder that looks awesome too of course uh cohen's a a, a professional i'd say he's been doing it for a while um now, I, I thought, again, um, the Tales from the Artifact Room, that's a really interesting way to introduce, like, to sort of keep the momentum of the Warrens and this Conjuring story alive, because you're, you know, you can, in the movie, you see, like, oh, I just read about that particular item in the comic, and there's five issues of this, uh, so they're, you know, you're going to be getting five previously unseen artifacts that will have somehow comic tie-in. So that, that's fun. It's always nice when you can sort of expand lore on things that you've never seen, uh, flesh out some of the world there. Um, yeah, so I mean, I it, it's a really fun, a really good, solid horror entry. Um, sorry, McGoldrick does a wonderful job, I think, of just overall just balancing the story and making it not feel... Like, making it feel like a comic book and not like just a film uh, which is a, a problem sometimes when I've, I've, I've read when people who, who write for, for Hollywood will come and, you know, do comic books. They're like, oh, this feels so cinematic. It doesn't. It feels like a comic book, which is, which is weird to say. It's, I don't know. it's very interesting because uh, in my experience with, with writing comics and versus film, people are like, oh, it's a lot like film writing. But in film writing, you're writing continuous moments. You're, mm -hmm. you're writing someone walking to the bar and pouring themselves a drink. In comics, you've got to show – you've got to show – you've got to pick which moments mm -hmm. you want to slice out, which film stills you want to pull because they are moment to moment. And the brain can fill it in, but it's, it's very different than writing continuous uh, flowing moments. Uh, very interesting to see if they yeah. can accomplish a jump scare in a comic book, though. Um, uh, well, I mean, I'll, I'll keep everyone posted. I'll, I'm probably going to pick up two. I really liked it. The, the closest I've ever had to a jump scare in a comic book was the autumnal from yep. Vault. Actual page-turning <laughs> eek. But um, if you're are – you, are you good on The Conjuring? Yep. Can I switch it over? All right. 499, 32 pages. That's the end. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Paul. And I'm going to wrap us up for the uh, weekly haul segment with another new number one from DC Comics. We've got Crush and Lobo number one. Uh, you guys will notice they've got the uh, Pride Month uh, logo up in the corner there. Uh, not only because it is Pride Month, but also because the main character, Crush, is a lesbian and that does come into play in this story as she is dealing with trying not to be the worst girlfriend Ever, but it's kind of hard when Lobo's your dad and you take after him in more ways than you uh, really want to. Now, this was written by Mariko Tamaki, one of my favorite uh, writers, who is also uh, a, uh, a queer woman. Uh, this has art by Aman K. Nawalpan, uh, who's, who I've actually, I'm not familiar with. I don't know other work uh, that they've done. We've got colors by Tamara Bonvillain and lettering by Ariana Maher. 
Now, I want to I wanna shout out to Ariana Maher because the lettering in this book has an added task of crushes constant uh, inner monologue going. <laughs> and that is what I think sets this character apart from a lot of other DC characters I've read. To me, um, and this, this may turn people off, but it may turn people on to the character. Uh, this book reads as if Deadpool were a teenage girl from outer space. Um, <laughs> she's got a constant inner monologue going, which has the, the irreverent self-awareness of Lobo mixed with the self-doubt of a teenage girl, uh, which, I mean, if you've been a teenage girl, you, you know what I'm talking about, the constantly second-guessing yourself, but also telling people to shut up and stop looking at you and, and everything that's going on. So Crush is having one hell of a time uh, fighting bad guys from outer space, but also being a good-slash-bad girlfriend. Um, she's walked away from the Teen Titans. And so in terms of accessibility, I think this book does a great job of introducing you to the character because she is telling you who she is. Um, Mariko Tamaki does a great job with, with the character's voice, and it's definitely a unique one in terms of all the DC characters I've ever read. And I'll be honest, this is my first exposure to Crush. Um, it's not the first Lobo-related title I've read because we did cover like Lobo's Comic-Con special on this show as well as a few other Lobo stories in general. But um, this is Crush, as she describes, going on a freelance solo butt-kicking adventure. Um, and so you really don't have to know who she is ahead of time. Uh, she's also going to reunite with her father, which can only mean uh, terrible things, of course, because if you're familiar with the main man himself, he's currently doing some time in prison, uh, but he wants a visit from his daughter who's doing her best to distance herself from all of that. Um, as I mentioned, because she's walked away from the Teen Titans, there's a couple of characters involved from the Teen Titans books, uh, but it really doesn't rely on you having known all the stuff that she's going on, uh, has going on in her life there. It's, it's very much an intimate look at her current situation, kind of divorced from all of that as she's trying to figure out who she is solo. Uh, in terms of interest, again, fans of Lobo, if you're a fan of Teen Titans and anyone who wants to know what it sounds like if D D Deadpool were a teenage Sarnian, <laughs> um, you're going to want to check this one out. It is going to be an eight-issue miniseries. I absolutely love Mariko Tawaki's writing. She has a great way of, again, really fully embodying the characters that she writes. Of course, previously she did cover um, She-Hulk at Marvel with that really great Hulk story that dealt with... Um, uh, Jennifer Walters PTSD so she has a really great way of kind of getting into the psyche of the character and of course as it just happens with Crush it's a lot more irreverent and I really found it to be a fast-paced and interesting and fun book um, it should be pretty widely available as it is one of the several new um, new number ones from DC Comics this week of course we covered several others from different branches of the publishing line um, but this is just a fun little a fun little romp, honestly. Um, and if, and you know, if you're not a super big fan of that kind of uh, first person narration, you might have a little bit of a challenge with this book. But if you like hearing the character tell the story in their own voice as they're getting frustrated, as they're doing their gosh darn best uh, not to accidentally track alien guts into your girlfriend's birthday party and meet <laughs> the parents for the first time, uh, it's, it's just, it's a really fun, very fast paced uh, upbeat story um, and in terms of the M it is $3.99 as I mentioned this is an eight issue miniseries so you are in invested for that if you choose to put it on your pull list and this is a standard 32 page book as well so nothing super crazy about this package but uh, if you are invested you've got eight issues of this fun to go 
So that is Crush and Lobo from DC nice. Comics. I know we're running a little low on time here, so I want to make sure we have time for our final segment. Uh, yes. But it is a great week for books and a lot of, as I mentioned, surprising releases from DC in different facets of their publishing line. Oh, yeah. Very, very excited. Um, we are going to now try to do Hall at the Hall as quickly as we can. Uh, we've got a, just, a, just a few minutes here, but we had just asked. So uh, moving on to our Hall of the Hall, we had asked you, if you called the shots at Marvel Studios, what Marvel character who is not yet in the MCU would you fast track a solo film for? Now we had some uh, some great some great answers, and a lot of you had similar answers. So we'll compile all those together. Amy, do you want to kick us off here? Yeah. Ooh, yes. Sorry, my uh, my list of the names just disappeared, but I've got it. Uh, John Michael Volidka says Jack Kirby's Machine Man, aka Mister Machine. Excellent deep cut. I also Super think he has an action cut. figure, so he's due for a movie sometime soon. Yeah, you got to just get the action figure first. Steve Wartman said, "Next wave, Agents of Hate." <laughs> that's uh, that's my burner account. Thank you. No, um, Pete Tano said Thor and Spider-Man have had battles there, and Doctor Strange's associates have had a sanctum in London, so Captain Britain could easily be worked into the MCU. And we've got uh -huh. a number of Captain Britons to choose from as well. We've even got yes. the Captain Britain Corps. Yes, we do. They keep busy. Uh, Victor Salis said, I would pick White Tiger or Nova, either Richard Ryder or Sam Alexander. Uh, depending on who they cast, Sam Alexander has got the, you know, Get the you know the young legs in there. <laughs> Cody Edwards says, "I think Storm deserves a solo film, and Yatiti Badake should play her." And that's from uh, the actress from American Gods, of course, playing Bill mm -hmm. uh, Billquist, I believe. Jasmine will correct me after the show if I'm saying it wrong. However, in terms of fitting into the current MCU phase and the plan they seem to be laying out, Hulkling, please. Yes. Hundred percent agreed. Oh, you got it right, she says. Oh, good. Thank you, Jazz. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried for you. Um, and then lastly, Katie Breedlove says, I have to say Namor. He has enough differences between Aquaman to make it totally different, and he appears on pretty much every team ever, so he's got to show up at some point. And a lot of you said um, a Namor, which we totally understand. I would love to see Namor. Um, and then we also had one person say, like, we'll never get Namor. So it's fun <laughs> to see the dichotomy there. That's very interesting. Well, we'll just have to see because I think eventually all once we get to the telepathic concerts stage of, of Marvel's takeover, we're all going to be seeing every character in our brains at all times. Paul, do you have a personal pick for your Marvel movie? Oh, Greenlight? I forgot. Um, let's see. I would have to say well, of, of an underutilized character. Maybe who hasn't had a, a film already. Maybe Laroximus Boneflayer who's a friend of uh, Doctor Strange. He's literally just like a, like the uh, epitome of like a big, um, like a, just a big teddy bear. He's so evil looking, but he's really sweet. And he doesn't Aww. understand why people run away from him, but it's because he's 10 feet tall and he sort of looks like Baphomet a little bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, that's understandable. I mean, try never to judge a book by its cover, but. <laughs> yeah. What about and you? I'm, I'm sure it's no surprise. I want an Elsa Bloodstone supernatural monster hunter movie mm -hmm. i mean if you throw the next wave of agents of hate in there great because monica rambeau is totally available and ready uh, i'm sure she's not doing anything too big after uh captain marvel too uh but yeah. i would just love an I elsa mean, bloodstone uh crazy monster hunting romp because then they can get a little bit tomb make... raider a little bit tomb oh, raider okay. marvel yeah like a little tomb raider but with a lot of monsters 
yeah, just a quick, you know, Elsa Bloodstone, um, you know, next wave story to make Steve and Amy happy. Just so, a real quick one. Real quick. And we have a we have a new question for them, right? Yes. This is inspired by uh, just a personal favorite of mine in the comics realm, even though you might not necessarily consider it to be comic uh complete comics mm -hmm. um, they are complete comics what am i saying for next week for june 10th we want to know what is your favorite newspaper comic strip if it's syndicated in a newspaper if it's a sunday funny if it's a daily uh comic book or not comic comic strip um mm -hmm. from peanuts to marmaduke have you ever followed the sunday funnies please let us know which are your favorite i've grown up reading those every single day before i would go to school my dad always had the paper out for me so th that is comic newspaper comics are a near and dear subject to my heart. So we'll get your answers and read them out next week. Maybe even uh, provide some visuals if you if you feel so inclined. And we'll see what we can do on ne next week's episode of the Comics Hall. Yes. And on that note. Thank I you, guys. That, I think that wraps us up. For bearing with us through this week of halfway to Halloween horror. Mm -hmm. I mean, what was going on? Hello. I, I know. What studios in D.C.? What's... Is everyone okay over there? 503, right on time, Amy. Look at us go. Right on time. Right on time. Thank you guys so much for joining us. As always, you can find us um, on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Comics Hall. You can always email us at thecomicshall at sideshow.com. Mm -hmm. We're available in the Let Your Geek Sideshow Facebook group and in the local comic society, side.show slash your LCS. That is our official Facebook group. Mm -hmm. um, we are here every single Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, we are also available in uh, on your favorite podcasting platforms on the Thursdays. I believe 8 a.m. Pacific time is when we launch on Thursdays. Just and also their least favorite. Yeah, whether it's your favorite or your yeah. least favorite, we're there too. Um, available for you to listen to in case you can't watch live. And you can also go to sideshow.com slash blog to check out all the visual assets and mm -hmm. covers referenced on this show. Um, whether you're on the podcast or watching live, we thank you guys so much for joining us. Always a great week to talk comics. Lots of cool stuff, and we'll see you next week. Actually, June 10th is not the next Wednesday. Is it the 9th? It's the, it 9th. Is the 9th. I was wrong. I was very wrong. So on June 9th, so. don't show up on June 10th. That's our podcast. Um, <laughs> but we'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much. As always, I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And this has been the Comics Hall. Enjoy the Hellfire Gala. Bye. Get them on Groupon. This has been the Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, presented by Sideshow. Submit your response to our fan mail question of the week by emailing thecomicshall at sideshow.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, don't forget to vote on the panel of the week in the Let Your Geek Sideshow official Facebook group. You can watch us live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on Sideshow's official Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, and Periscope channels. And you can keep in touch with our show on social media at The Comics Hall on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, don't forget to let your geek sideshow. show.